Welcome to the TWM Real Estate Podcast. We've decided to do a quick outlook podcast this time, the outlook for the property market in 2024. A number of agencies have done this probably a couple of weeks ago. Um, this podcast has been rec- recorded on the 1st of February. We decided to wait until the end of January really to get the temperature of the market and then hopefully have a, a better a better view on how people are feeling about the, the, the world and the property market ahead. So with me today, we have uh, Stephen Walsh, our independent economist who has done a number of podcasts with us already and first time podcaster, uh, my director colleague, Patricia Ward. So welcome to you both. Thanks, Sean. Thanks, Sean. Thank you. We'll start off, Stephen, just by maybe giving us a quick, quick uh, thoughts for the outturn for 2023 and forecast for 2024 of the Irish economy. Okay, thanks, Sean. Well, I think the outturn for 2023, um, certainly the economy was down overall, um, probably down by over 1%. The the most recent uh, forecast was was down by possibly, you know, somewhere between 1.5 and maybe and and, and 2%. Um, And that that wasn't unexpected. I mean, I suppose with the the, uh, change in in the interest rates in the ECB, with the kind of slowdown in multinational uh, exports, we were almost certain to to see some degree of of, of um, fall in GDP in, in in the year. That being said, it, it, it's not massive. Um, I think we're you know the consumer economy has held up well. We talk about that later on. Um, unemployment, although it's going up slightly, um, as uh, is still at very low levels. We'll come back to that. Um, Irish inflation is a little bit sticky. It hasn't come down as quickly maybe as European inflation, but all in all, I think the economy is is in reasonable shape. From the public finance point of view, um, I, I think that we finance are in good shape. And I think coming into an election year, that's important. I mean, it always is a danger that the government might, um, you know, loosen the poor strings a little bit. Um, and I think the fact that we have good public finances, I think, is is, is to our, you know, it will stand as a good stead. Um, so, so we'll go back to some of these later on. But, you know, VAT is up. Corporation tax is up, though. Not, not as quickly as previous years. It has certainly slowed down. And income tax is up. And they're all good indicators of, you know, the fact that the economy is performing reasonably well. Now, we will come back to some of those points, I think, later on. Mm. And I find this was in relation to the world economy. The the European economy will probably, you know, do about 1% um, maybe this year. Not not much more than that. It was kind of inevitable that with rates going up to try and bring inflation down, that there would be some deflationary impact on the the European economy. And I think we're seeing that. But I don't. I don't think it's it, it's significant. Now we'll come back later on to some of the geopolitical events, which are, have maybe thrown a bit of instability and maybe a bit of uncertainty into the system. But maybe we might leave them to later on, Sean, and come back and, and talk about them at a later point. Yeah, and I suppose one of one of the things I, I noted when we were talking earlier was that you know that there's been a whilst uh, the public. Uh, expenditure and, and and the exchequer surplus is down. Um, there was four billion transferred into the uh, national reserve fund. Yeah, so I mean that, 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 that's important because the government have been making this commitment for some time, and they went ahead with it this year. And and they, despite the fact that you know corporate tax was wasn't maybe as it didn't grow as quickly as, as previously, but they still went ahead with their commitment to uh, transfer money into the reserve fund, which, you know, with, with the the fact that we've got an ageing population and the fact that, you know, there, there are certain infrastructural demands we're going to have to meet in, in the future. We've got the, the, the climate change targets. I think putting money aside for the future is can only be a good thing. And I think the government, you know, bit the bullet on that and they've done that and, uh, um, and, and I'll credit them for, for, for doing that. 
Yeah. But and overall, uh, Patricia, like we've st- we still see, even though, you know, there may not have been as, as much international um, real estate investment in the last six months, we still, uh, from talking to clients, uh, see that there is a strong interest and demand for Irish real estate. Definitely, Sean. I think even you know last year, whilst we saw a very significant decrease in transactional. Um, sales in the commercial market down to 1.85 billion, which was actually the lowest since 2012. Um, It was as a result probably more to do with obviously interest rates for a start, um, inflation, uh, geopolitical reasons, um, and also probably a gap in expectation really between uh, assets that were being held uh, and brought for sale versus what what vendors felt the the returns should be. So I think we're seeing encouraging signs at the start of the year already that there's a sort of a keenness to push on between both the invest the you know investors and the vendors and to if you like let the market um dictate where 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 the value will be to some extent. And so we've sort of drawn a line under 2023. We're all hopeful that we're going to see the interest rates you know, come down, maybe maybe not as soon as we'd hoped, but maybe spring, summer time. And that's definitely going to make a difference. I mean, I suppose it'll be remain to be seen um, whether we'll see the return of debt purchasers uh, this year. Um, but, um, you know, we didn't really see them as any part of the market last year. Uh, and I think for the first couple of quarters, that probably will remain. Um, and probably those who are in a position to buy in cash uh, see this as their opportunity to come forward. And I think I think you know where there was a kind of a fall off in international investors, um, that was probably seen throughout Europe. It wasn't just in Ireland. People did take a, a wait and see approach. But a number of transactions that did happen were cash, Irish cash purchasers who kind of stepped into the breach as well to some degree. Yeah, that's that's an interesting thing to see because we haven't had Irish investors to any great extent in the market for the last number of years um, and they definitely were present and I think this year or last year and I think that's going to continue along with the the French who were very active um, and just on the TWM projection we, we're, we're forecasting uh, 2.5 billion uh, turnover for this for this year. Good and I suppose one of the things we we, we touched on there uh, is and the, had a big impact. It's the on the on the, on the market there. Often the room really is interest rates and inflation. So Stephen, where, where do we see that going this year? Yeah, I mean, I, I think as Patricia said, I mean, it, it was certainly a, a, a an issue last last year. The ECB let, met this day last week, and to some extent, the meeting was much ado about nothing. There was no change. They made no change in interest rates. Um, and they've been using this expression for some time, data dependent, which basically means that they will keep an eye on the data, particularly inflation. But I mean, the view I would take with that, that rates will come down probably towards the back end of quarter two, maybe, you know, late spring, early summer. And it will come down a number of times this year, but maybe not as quickly as we'd hoped and maybe not as sizable as we'd hoped. So I do think we'll see two or three decreases, but possibly of the order of a quarter percent each time. I think it'll be kind of a, a you know, cautious approach by the ECB. Um, that being said, our rates are still lower than the UK and, and the US, although they're likely maybe to to start pushing rates down, um, you know, reasonably soon. I think the ECB will, 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 will bring rates down, but as I said, not maybe for, maybe not the next meeting, possibly the meeting after that, which will take us into sort of, uh, you know, late, late May. Um, 
and the big issue for them is inflation. I mean, inflation has certainly fallen. It has come down towards the target of 2%. It may not get there, but they don't need to keep rates up at, at the high level to, to bring it down. The, the rate, it, the view they're taking themselves are it's working. It's, 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 it's you know, taking demand out of the economy. It's bringing inflation down. And as long as they're happy with that, I, I think they will be prepared to bring rates down bit by bit. But as I said, it won't be rapid and it, it won't be sizable. I think it, it'll come down cautiously. And I think as when inflation does get down below the 2%, where well, then we might see an acceleration in the rate of decrease of, of interest rates. I think from an investor's point of view, I think the one thing we can certainly say is that they have peaked and, and they won't be going any further. That it, th- th- There's only one direction rates can go now and that's downward. And I think from that point of view, it should offer comfort, I think, to investors that, that you know, they, they, they won't be looking at rates rising in the, uh, in, in the future. So our problem for Ireland is that our inflation is probably a little bit higher than Europe's. It's partly domestic driven in terms of, say, wage growth. It's something we need to keep an eye on because it, we can't just, although monetary policy will be determined at an EU level by the ECB, our own inflation is something we have some control over and we do need to manage that element of, of our economy um, closely. And we, we just don't need to, we don't, we, we shouldn't let ourselves end up in a position where our inflation rate is above, too much above the European level. Um, so we, we need to be active and we need to be vigilant about what's happening in relation to uh, to our own inflation rate. Well, I suppose one of the things you said there was that there won't be any further increases in interest rates that we probably reach the peak and the likelihood is it's going to come down. So from a property investment point of view, that's manna from heaven really from, from sure. what we've experienced yeah, over yeah. the last year, year yeah. and a half. And I, that might give be, be the reason I think we are seeing such a huge increase in activity over the first month of this year. We're seeing a lot of vendors and purchasers both kind of raising the game and getting back into the market very, very actively. Yeah. Um, and I think it's based on probably the perception of where things are going for the year. So, Patricia, you, you can probably yeah, add to that. From, I can. You know. Thanks, Sean. I think, as I said before, you know, we are going to see cash investors getting back into the market before the debt buyers return. Uh, that's definitely going to be a feature for the next couple of quarters, I would think. Um, and, you know, there is definitely a demand uh, returning for all sectors, uh, there's no doubt that the the offices is dampened somewhat, but where there is, you know, covenant term and um, reasonable return, um, we're seeing demand. We're, we're getting phone calls asking for that type of product. Uh, you know, vacancy is is still, you know, a negative uh, from an office perspective. And there is an increase in, in certainly rental underwrites, um, which is sort of following through from 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 the the rent free periods that are being offered. I suppose that takes us into the office sector um, and the the, the 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 business economy. I suppose, so Stephen, you might give us a bit of background on, on sure. what's happening there, what the outlook is for for that. Thanks. Yeah, I mean, for, well, first of all, for, for the last year, I mean, corporation tax was up again, even though it wasn't, it didn't grow at the same rate as you had been seeing for the last couple of years, it, it was positive, which has to be a positive thing. There has been some job loss in, in the multinational sector. Um, but if you look at the, at, at the, the statistics for the, the uh, office employment, I mean, we identify four key sectors, four key private sector sectors, if you like, and three of them have grown. Um, the, the total growth across those four sectors was 6.1%. Or thirty-four thousand jobs, so that's that's significant, and I think you know we we um, we're likely to see perhaps a, you know a, a, a continuation of that. I mean, 
And which sector, sorry, just to, which, just to explain to listeners, which sectors? Would, the the sectors are information communication, um, which grew very substantially. And that'd be the tech sector, really. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, finance, insurance and real estate, um, which grew by about 4%. Professional, scientific and tech, what's called technical activities, um, very you know, professional type work, 7.4%. And then the one area which was very marginally down by just by about 0.2% was administrative and support services. So overall, across those four sectors, we're looking at a growth of about six, just over 6%. Now, Patricia might later on talk about remote working. I do think remote working is an issue, um, but it does seem to have, in a sense, stabilised. I think companies have, 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 you know, worked out their kind of policy on, on remote working with, with their employees. So maybe Patricia might pick that up at, at, at a later at a later point. So I think that the, the signs are reasonably good for, for the off, for the, the business sector. Exports, uh, yeah, so I think, which we'll, we'll come back to later yeah, on. I yeah, I think yeah, in, yeah. In, 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 you know, look at, looking at the business sector, one of the things you mentioned there was um, the tech sector. Like, and we've heard a lot about, you know, tech sector layoffs and all that. But over the year, the, the, it was up, the employment was up 10.8%. And again, that might be, whereas we don't see massive demand at the moment for office space, um, it could be that they're, they're taking on people and there's still a bit of remote working going on. But I think anecdotally, Patricia, we're saying that, you know, we're seeing, you know, a lot of the a lot of the tech companies pushing people back to the office. Oh, d- most definitely. And I'm just picking up on what Stephen said. I agree with you, Stephen. Um, you know, the work from home days, whilst they're not copper fastened for many, I, I would say the inertia that we saw last year is definitely diminishing. Um Decisions are being made now. CEOs know their requirements. You know, they've got work from home policies in the most part and they've got commitments from employees as to what days they're coming in. And that was the reason for, you know, for really, you know, a a low volume of transactions last year um, because that certainty wasn't there. Um, Now, they're still looking for flexibility in the most part, uh, shorter leases. And I think that's really due to an uncertainty of numbers and growth and also perhaps just a a sort of a follow through from COVID and just that sort of caution, you know, could something like this happen again? And and we want to be future proofed, uh, you know, in some respects. You know, last year, the feature of the market was 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 very strongly demand for traditional CBD, Dublin 2 particularly, um, fully fitted grey space, as we as we refer to it. Um, we're seeing now, you know, that the competition is actually building for those units as as they as they as they lease up. Now, if you look at take up last year, it was, you know, significantly down. It was 1.3 million or approx. Um, Ten year average would be twice that. 2022 uh, was, was you know, over 2 million. And two of the biggest deals there were from the professional services, you know, Goodbody uh, committing to their North Key location and TikTok taking the sorting office service now, going to the shop building. Um, so we saw TMT expansion, um, which we're not seeing so much of now. Just in relation to rents, I would say they're holding their own prime rents are holding their own between sort of 62 and 65 a foot. Some um, agencies are, are pulling back a little from, from that 65 mark. But there's definitely premium to be paid still for sustainability and quality CBD buildings. And I suppose on the sustainability side, it's something that, again, you know, from an investment point of view, and probably from an occupier view, but from an investment point of view, you're you're seeing a little bit of hesitancy or, or, or a discounting, I should say, in value for um, 
those buildings that aren't sustainable, the older buildings versus newer buildings, which which brings up a lot of different things that are happening in the market as well. Yeah, that's true. I mean, we, you know, people talk about that term stranded asset, which I don't really like because I think, um, you know, there, there there's a repurposing um, going on for a lot of buildings and there are opportunities for those older assets all the time. Um, you know, if you're bringing a, an older office building investment to the market, there's, you, you cannot really bring it to the market any longer without a BUR pathway report that is that is costed. And often, you know, that'll form part of, 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 of the price that, that's paid. And I suppose that's almost becoming the accepted norm now. Um, but we're seeing where there's a lot of vacancy or where there's full vacancy in a building, that there's definitely demand from other sectors that we you know, traditionally wouldn't have seen as office occupiers, the healthcare sector, particularly education and, you know, some landlords who are perhaps, you know, more flexible and able to sort of uh, move quickly to the changing market are looking at at a change of use uh, for some of those office buildings. Um, because the sustainability factor really um, is, is less of an issue when you're repurposing a building um, and spending, much, you know, spending significant money on, on refurbishment. Well, the sustainability be- becomes part of that. Uh, you get that natural upgrade anyway. And this is something I think that happens around Europe. You can see where, there, you know, you have different uses and different floors and it's probably quite an exciting thing to see in a city centre whilst uh, if you're looking for silver silver clouds I suppose or silver li- linings yeah. you see the you know older buildings may may attract different uses will attract more life back into the city centre yeah it's it's interesting over christmas i was in spain and i saw that exactly that what you're saying Sean um you know maybe medical use on uh, sort of um lighter surgical use on the ground floor and offices overhead i think it might you know, it might be a feature of the market over the next couple of years where we might even see multi-use buildings, not just single use, so that you could have, you know, um, offices mixed with uh, perhaps medical, perhaps even residential in the same building. Obviously, that's going to be subject to building regs and we may have to to look at changes in in that area. I suppose moving on then uh, to the the retail sector, it's it's an area where there's been quite a lot of um, inv- investor interest, particularly in shopping centres and retail parks over the last few years. Um, so in terms of that consumer economy, Stephen, what's what's the outlook there? Yeah, well, I mean the, the outlook does appear to be positive. I mean the, the consumer sentiment index jumped extraordinarily um, in, in January. I, I was surprised at the level of of uh, increase over it had grown slightly in December. But it really shot up in, in January. I, to be honest, I think it's probably, it'd be wise maybe just to hold off, maybe until the, until the February figure, just to see just how much it, it um, you know, is that sustained? I think, it, you know, it, it, it reflects, I think, the, the fact that people are less concerned about inflation. They feel that energy prices have come down. They feel, you know, more sanguine about, about the future. But it was a, quite an extraordinary jump and, and I would like to see what the next reading will be to see if it's sustained. But it's positive news and, and it can only augur well for, for the uh, consumer economy, you know, going into the into the, uh, the rest of the year. VAT was up, so that's, and income tax. I mean, they're, they're both good measures of kind of consumer demand. The fact that people have money, the fact that people are spending money and all of those are, are pointing toward, I mean, the dial is in the right direction. Unemployment has risen very slightly, but, you know, it's still very low. 
by by historical norms, we're, we're, we're still down sub 5%. Although it has ticked up a little bit in, in the last month or two of the year, it, it, it's still way down. And I think it, it, it indicates people have jobs, they have stability, they have income, and that can only be good for the uh, for the consumer market. Consumer expenditure, um, you know, again, that, that comes about from all of the other indicators. And I think given the fact the indicators are pointing in the right direction, I think we can be fairly positive about, about consumer expenditure, you know, going into the rest of the year. Um, retail sales, certainly values have held up um, over the course of last year. Volume, maybe not so much, but and that maybe indicates the fact the prices went up. But all in all, I think, you know, the retail, retail sector, we, we measure retail sales excluding what we call cars and bars. Um, but but even even leaving those out, I mean, we're, we're seeing, you know, quite a growth, quite a, a a satisfactory position, if you like, in relation to retail sales. There has been a growth in, in the bar trade as well um, by, about, you know, over the course of the year in, in value terms by about 8%, but only by about 1% in volume terms. One of the issues that I think is, is, is difficult to pin down is the level of, of online sales. It's looking to me like it's stabilising somewhere between 7 and 8% overall, with obviously some variation across sectors. So I think we, we just we just need to keep an eye on that one. That being said, I think the, the it would appear that companies are maybe taking space to, to allow them to kind of cater for uh, online sales, cater for click and, click and collect. And, and so whatever space might be lost to the retail direct retail element maybe has been made up with, with the um with maybe the the the, uh, the space has been allocated to the um to the storage and to the uh click and collect operation etc uh, well we've seen i suppose on the on the retail side is quite a, a a significant um drop in vacancy rates so both in the shopping centers and high streets and as a result i think that that's probably as a result of rents coming down to you know following covid and following the crash and retail being out of favor for quite a while but it's it, it, rents have come down to a sustainable level so occupiers now can can make can make properties work for them um and that's then like kind of linked into the to the investment side. So we've seen recently like uh, the Square Shopping Centre, for instance, up for sale. They had a quite a number of, uh, of interest, quite a lot of interest in that with with four bidders going through to the second round, which I think is underway at the moment. We know Blanchestown Shopping Centre is going to come on the market and there's quite a number of shopping centres has been sold over the last few years and retail parks. So there's definitely um, interest in, in the retail sector, which I suppose is borne out by the by the statistics that you've just you've just given us, um, and as you mentioned, the the click and collect uh, and the online side of things is quite strong. As you say, the statistics are hard to is hard to read or hard to, to put a finger on, but certainly we can see that retailers are allowing for more space for that for that click and collect, and again that kind of probably leads us back into the the logistics sector then, sure. where we see you know it's nearly a, a kind of a, a an extension of the retail market to some degree, so all of those deliveries that they, that are being made the, the, those those have to find a home in warehouses, so there's sure. quite strong demand for for the logistics sector. Sure. Um, and yeah. That, um, I'm just just going to say, Sean, just you know I think um, Ponte Gadea paid just just under. Five percent for that for the Amazon mm. um, depot. So you know that sort of links into what you're saying. I mean, there's obviously you do some work from Post in that area, um, and you're probably going to you know think that that's going to imp- continue. Yeah, like that's there's certainly strong strong demand in the logistics sector, um, and maybe you know 
going over to the to the wider logistics industrial sector, you, you what's the what's the stats around yeah, imports, it, exports, and that sort of thing? Well. Unfortunately, I suppose there has been a, a, a fall off in, in, in one of the big sectors, which is pharmaceuticals. But I think it was inevitable. I mean, the, the, that's a sector that did very well, maybe towards the back end of COVID and, and post-COVID. Um, in the sense, it was big demand for, for you know, for, for uh, remedies and for, for um, you know, for drugs. But And I think that it, it, we did see a, a jump if you like, in, in the exports of, of that sector. That has come back down. It's normalised to some extent. And, and uh, so we are seeing a kind of a reduction. And that maybe ties in with the slowing down of, of, of the um, of the corporate tax take. Um, I think it'll normalise. I, I think, you know, we'll get to the point where maybe it'll reach back to its level and, and then it'll stabilise at that level. And, and you know, it'll just continue as it was. I mean, if, if companies can develop extra market share or whatever, um, I, I think it'd be important. I mean, there are some other issues that we'll come on to at, at the end, perhaps, you know, bigger global issues. But but certainly I think that um, in relation to those key sectors, we, we, we almost inevitably saw a decline. But I do think it, it was, there's a good reason for that. And I, I, I wouldn't, be hugely worried about, about that in in the uh, in the future. I suppose, and we, again, we say we'll talk about some geopolitical factors later. But one thing that COVID taught a lot of people was the security and reliability of supply chains. So, in the past, particularly on the retail sector, you would have seen a lot of um, deliveries coming from the UK. Uh, so, a lot of the UK retailers didn't have uh, warehouses here; they just delivered from 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 the UK. But that's changed, and yet a lot of a lot of retailers and manufacturers want to know that they have a very secure supply chain. So we've seen that market grow significantly sure. with warehouses now in Ireland and not just in Dublin, around the country sure, as well. Sure. Uh, and that that kind of hub and spoke model is still is still something that's that's being rolled out. Uh, so I think the future on the on the logistics and industrial side still still looks sure, stable absolutely. because there's quite there's, there's quite a shortage of supply in that. Yeah, end of yeah, yeah. It, it may just be the mix change between. What might have been production bases and and logistics, but I think overall, mm. it is a reason I think to be positive about about that. Yeah. And one of the things we saw, uh, and and it's something like that we'll come to in the in the residential sector as well, that you know because of the demand for logistics investments, yields had had contracted quite significantly, mm. and therefore when the interest rates went up, they were impacted significantly too. But that you know that's probably going to work its way through in value-wise and you'll see, you know, the, the, the demand. And as, as uh, Patricia said, you know, the Ponte de Gea, I can never spend, say Ponte that word. Gea, yeah. <laughs> they they came in and, and, and they, it was a pretty keen yield. They played sub, paid sub 5% for the Amazon and other buildings around around the Amazon building as well. Um, again, just mentioned the residential section. So maybe we will have a quick look at that, which is a, a significant part of the market sure. now. Well, well, I, I think it is important, and and I, I think it's going to be an election issue when the time comes. Whenever, whether that's late this year, early next year, um, I think the market's stabilising in the sense that the, although there was a growth in 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 the, the index over the course of last year, it was much much smaller growth than it had been the previous year, less than three percent compared to um, almost nine percent the previous year. So I, I think that you know we're kind of getting there, we're getting there slowly. I mean, mortgage approvals are up. Um, both in volume terms and indeed in value terms. And the average approved loan size is up by about 5.5%. The drawdowns themselves were down in volume terms. But again, they were up in value terms and, and, and the uh, um, the average drawdown lo- loan size was about 5.5% up. So that's that, that indicates that people are prepared to borrow money, banks are prepared to lend, um, and you know the, the, the demand will continue to be there. 
in terms of the supply, I think completions and commencements have both shown kind of positive um, indicators. I mean, the completions are up by about 10%. Probably up towards the level that we need, we, we know up towards thirty three thousand, um, compared to the previous year, commencements were up over twenty percent. So again, we, I think both of those are indicating that the supply is starting to come through, and we are seeing the government more involved. I think in in the uh, in the housing market, um, maybe to the land development agency, to and also then we've got the um. The approved housing bodies that are, that are you know playing their part and 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 they have met their target. They delivered over five thousand houses, um, and they've met their overall target for the last uh, the last number of years. So I I think all in all, I, I think that the the housing is 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 starting to stabilise. Not saying the cri- I won't call it a crisis, but that the problem is is over. But you know we're we're, we're moving forward slowly, and um you know I I think bit by bit the market is, is I think is calming down. Can I just ask you, Stephen, the SESI issued some numbers yesterday and around the construction inflation, um, just saying that it's it's slowing, which is good to see. But they say that the increase in labour costs is the main challenge facing construction. Do you, you know, how do you see that play out this year? I know that's probably not an easy one to answer. Yeah. Well, well, the central bank have actually pointed the same thing. They, they, they've, probably in a more macro context, they, they, they've talked about you know, domestic inflation, um, which is largely wage growth, I suppose. Uh, we're, we're, we're kind of our own worst enemies in one sense. So it is something that we have to watch. And I think, the, you know, the, the recent public sector pay deal, um, which is yet to be approved, although it's generous, I mean, it, at least it's it's fixed and it allows kind of certainty. It allows, um, you know, to be able to project forward in terms of what the wage increases might be. That might set a kind of a norm for the private sector. Um, so who knows? But, but I think... As long as we're careful and as long as we kind of understand that every time we increase wages, we, we are putting pressure on inflation, that we just need to be conscious of that. And, and uh, But that you're right that there has been warnings from a number of bodies about that very fact. Yeah, yeah. yeah. One, And one of the factors uh, in the market, which you mentioned, is that, you know, the, the, the government participation, I suppose, indirectly in the market. So when whilst investors and investment funds kind of pull back because of uh, the rising interest rates and and the, the prices that they could afford to pay have, have drifted out and you know the, the the cost of construction has come in so feasibility of of, of developments kind of stalled or you know beca- they became unfeasible, um, but the the government I think in the last year is quite a step quite in so between uh, you know backing approved housing bodies between the LDA. Yeah. They seem to be taking up quite a lot of the supply. Yeah, and they're also funding some developments as well. Mm. So, like, I think the government are, are are looking at all possibilities in terms of what they can do. And there has been a number of calls for the government to become more active. And I think they have done that. So, mm. without wanting to necessarily say that they're doing a great job, but I do think that some of those measures, like the AHBs, the land development, they are positive. And, and they will, <laughs> if they continue, they will continue to be positive towards the uh, Supply yeah. in the market, and we've also seen, of course, um, uh, well, we've seen investors kind of re-looking at, at the market again because there is very strong rental growth prospects. Uh, there, you know, there is a lack of supply, so that'll that'll put pressure on on, on prices still. But we've also seen uh, announced last week Ryanair buying a chunk of a of a, of a housing estate. It's not sure. so, it's not something new, but yeah. it's um it's an interesting development. Yeah, well it, it's not new because it's happened in many countries and we did see it before with some of the big multinationals doing the same thing for their own staff. It's maybe a feature mm-hmm. and and un, until the market becomes more affordable, maybe that's what companies have to do. I mean I know it wasn't popular locally 
but it just reflects reality. And and mm. if, if if they you know apparently, um, where they bought is only one bus stop away from mm. the airport. So you know it 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 reflects their need to look after the staff. And if that's part of the package they offer staff, so be it. I mean, I think it it, it has to. We have to understand that that's what companies when are forced to do. We've seen. Uh, I don't think it's happened yet, but we have seen. Uh, Hospitals looking out to see where where can that they get accommodation sure, for the staff. Sure. So yeah, you know yeah. it's it's probably something that'll be a bit more of a feature of that of the, of the residential market yeah, yeah, going yeah, forward. Yeah. I mean, the, the IDA did point to this quite a number of years ago, as did the National Competitiveness Council, um, saying that the cost of housing and the availability of housing is an issue in terms of attracting foreign investment. So I think anything that helps resolve that or address that in some way. It has bigger, you know, issues. It has it has issues around foreign direct investment and the ability to attract that as well. So I think I I wouldn't knock that. I mean, if if that's what Reiner have to do, they have mm. to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have a tradition of that, like going back many years. When you think about the likes of big employers like Guinness, who would sure. have built houses sure. for mm. their employees. So in some ways, it's actually an old an old sure. uh, tradition coming back. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> dusted yeah. down. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. maybe it was controversial back then too. Oh, yeah, knows, maybe. <laughs> Um, I'm just conscious of time uh, going forward then general outlook for both Ireland and, and so is the world as yeah, well yeah, yeah. What, what, what do we need to look out for? Well I think the big issues are, are um, stuff like the geopolitical uh, issues that are maybe causing global instability so we've got Ukraine we've got Gaza we've got the Suez Canal and, and possibly Taiwan I mean who knows what might happen what happened there there's, there's elections in a number of countries um, I suppose most notably from our point of view the UK and the US and, and, you know, if there is another Trump presidency, what does that mean for international trade and for relations between, say, China and the US? I think we just need to be vigilant and watching for those. But I do think that the the, the issues around, let's say, the Suez Canal are something that we just need to keep an eye on. Um, we saw what happened a couple of years ago when the boat got stuck in the canal. Mm. Um, it did give rise to supply chain problems. And if it was a, you know, Suez Canal apparently carries about 12% of global trade. So it's quite substantial. And if that trade was to be affected, I mean, it would have knock-on effects, I think, you know, around the world. In relation to the, the Irish economy specifically, I think housing, although there are, as we spoke about a few minutes ago, it's positive. It will continue, I think, to be to be an issue. I think we'll face an election in Ireland in the next 12 to 14 months so it's going to happen it, it may not happen late this year it may happen early next year but it's on its way and you know I do think we need to be um, kind of conscious of that and just the government need to be careful that they don't um, you know have any own, own goals if you like that they, that they continue with the kind of the fairly um, you know benign policy that they've had up, up to now Consumer confidence, I think, is an issue as well. And and as I said earlier on, I, I, I'd i be careful. I'd be watching out for what happens next month. It, there's been a very substantial jump in confidence as measured by the index uh, just this month. Whether that can be sustained, it's hard to know. I mean, it does seem to be, it's a very big jump and just maybe seems to be a little bit, um, you know, maybe unexpected. And I would hope that, it, you know, we, we will see that it does maintain what it's like. Other things maybe would be the increase in the minimum wage, how that will affect employment at certain levels. It doesn't, obviously doesn't affect many sectors, but it does affect sectors like hospitality, like retail. And we just need to see, uh, that's that's planned to be increased a number of times in the next couple of years, the increased PRSI. The fact that wages are increasing. So wages were up by about, um, you know, almost close to 5% in from quarter three 
of 22 to quarter three, 23. So that, that's significant. Uh, and we just need to be, as I said earlier, ensure that we, we don't impose domestic inflation ourselves. That's not necessary. Um, and of, of course, the other big issue is, is what happens at the at the EU level in terms of interest at ECB level. Um, will inflation come down? When will they start uh reducing interest rates, how quickly will it do? Something we talked about earlier on. And I, and I do think that's, it's still the unknown, but I think the signs are positive. I think it will happen. Rates will come down. Maybe not as quickly as we'd like, but I do think that it's, the, the, the as we said earlier on, rates have certainly peaked and they can only go downwards. The question is how quickly and by how much. Um, they're the key issues, I think, that we need to look out for in the, uh, in the coming and 12 I think, months. I think there's a lot of the issues there are, outside of our control. Sure, you know, sure, there's a lot yeah. of things going on in the world that we can do nothing about. But one of the positives I'll take and which we, you know, is the is interest rates. That has been the biggest sure. impact on the real estate investment sector over the last 18 months. Um, it looks like it's it's peaked and it will, the interest rates will come down and certainly from the activity we're seeing in the market, albeit it's only really in the last four weeks, but still it's been a very, very positive start to the year. Sure. So I'm happy to finish on that positive note. Thank you, Sean. Uh, thank you both yeah, for, yeah. for uh, their contributions today and, and uh, hopefully we'll be uh, celebrating later in the year when we're proven to be correct. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Sean. Thank you. Thank Thanks, you. Sean. You can find out more about TWM on twmproperty.ie and this podcast and future episodes will be available on our website. Uh, you can also listen wherever you find your podcasts and we'll see you in the next one.